come. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So today, we are going to begin a sermon series on worship. Simply worship. Last night, Jenny and I having dinner. And Jenny says, so what's uh, your next sermon series? And I said, I'm going to preach on worship, to which my wife went, (sighs) And I said, you just became my sermon illustration tomorrow morning. And I said, I said, I said, Jenny, you are not the only person that's going to respond like that. See, I say sermon series on worship, and there are some of us that will be like, yes. And then there's other of us that are like, (sighs) And then maybe there's some folks in between. And I dare say that part of it is, part of it is, we haven't talked about this in this context for 10 years. The last time I preached on worship was 10 years ago, church. And if you ask me, why is that? My answer is, I don't know. And what's crazy is anyone that knows me knows how deep in my heart and my soul the subject of worship is. In case you're sitting there and saying, oh, I was hoping I'd be, <laughs> good Lord, I don't know if I could handle another Sunday like this weather-wise. I, I got up this morning, I'm like, Lord, this is hard. And every time I look out on Sunday morning, I'm like amazed. I'm like, you guys are here. It's brutal out there. What I want to do is I want to be able to convince you today that this may be the most practical sermon series you've never been a part of. Here's a definition of worship. Let's start here. And again, I need your participation this morning, church, okay? We're going to say this together. It's a, it's a, hand, it's a mouthful. It's, it's a lot of packed in here. And we're going to spend the next few Sundays unpacking this. Here we go. Ready? Say this together. Worship is our whole life response, both personal and corporate to God, for who He is and for what He has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. Worship. Let's start off right here. It's not about the band. Worship. Let's start off here. It's not about songs and singing. Worship at its core is not even about the music. Worship, it's not even about, I'm not even a Christian. I'm not even a religious person. I'm not even into worship. Why am I here? Let's begin here so that everybody's on the same page. Worship. We're not starting with Christian worship. We're not even starting with how do we worship better. Let's start here. We're all worshipers. Let's start here. Worship is the activity of the human soul. Let's start here. Worship is not what Christians do. Let's start here. Worship is not just about what religious people do. Worship is an activity of the human soul. You can't help but worship. I can't help but worship. Worship is at the foundation of who we are because we've been created in the image of God. And we've been created to worship. So we begin here with the level playing field. Whether you like songs, whether you like singing. By the way, by the way, every time I stand here up front during the, I'm going to put it in quotes, the worship time, which you know as the singing time. 
Every time I look out, I long for our church. I long for our church. And listen carefully. Not to be the kind of church that just outwardly is expressive in worship, but a church that understands this fundamental thing. You ready? The issue is not. The issue is not. The issue is not. How do we worship better? The issue is, what is the object of your worship, and how do we improve on that? So as we talk about worship, please hear me. Uh, he just wants to make sure that we're singing songs and raising our hands, and he doesn't like it when we put our hands in our pockets. or front. He No, 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 no. Uh, we all have our own personal wiring. You know me. I'm... And that's me. I wasn't always like that. But this is who I am. And there's some of y'all for whom worship is just this and just. But the essence of it is not about. Oh, it's here. It's here. And then we're going to unpack that. So if I do my job today, you're going to leave today saying, man, I, I didn't realize it, but I'm a worshiper. I didn't realize this. But worship is not just what I do. Worship is who I am. Let's begin here. The Ten Commandments, which we just finished, cover all of life. And the first two commandments actually has to do with worship. Do you remember? Do you remember? Exodus 23. You shall have no other gods before me. And I said this throughout the ten weeks. The Bible assumes you already have a God. The assumption of the Bible is you already have a God. The assumption of the Bible is you and I are worshiping something. God holds no possibility that you're worshiping nothing. The first commandment assumes that whoever hears the commandment is worshiping something. And what God is saying about your human soul, my human soul, is you're either worshiping me or something else. But there is no such thing as a non-worshipper. Here's the foundation of the sermon series. The world is not divided into people who worship, people who don't. The world this morning, you and I are divided into people who worship things that will distort your life. Or people who worship the only object that is worthy of our worship. Let me say that again. Right now in this room, there's no such thing as, I'm not a worshiper. In this room right now, there are those of us that are worshiping things, the wrong things that will distort your soul and your life. Or you're worshiping the only thing that is worthy of your worship. There's no such thing as neither. You and I, at our heart, are worshiping something. Do you know where the word worship comes from? Let's begin here. It comes from the old English word, if you pull it up there, worth shape. Worship simply, again, is about the fact that you are giving worth to something, listen, that is shaping fundamentally who you are. You're worshiping something that is fundamentally shaping who you are. Every one of us in this room is looking at something and going, I value that. I worth that. I, I'm just making up words here, okay? I significance that. I importance that. I live my life for that. I li- Every single one of us is doing something. And as we do, it shapes you. It shapes me. It determines the destiny of our lives. And all of a sudden, as I said, the playing field is leveled. Because every single one of us in here, Christian or not, religious or not, haven't been to church in years or not, every single one of us in our lives, every day they were carrying on a billboard that's saying, I worth that, I value that, I worship that. Why? And we'll dig into this throughout the sermon series. You've been created by God to give worth to something. So you have to live for something. You have to find significance in something. You have to find meaning in something. You are looking at something to say, that is what I live for. Career. Money. Relationship. Sex. Parents, approval, and the list goes on of things that you and I this morning are fundamentally saying, that's what I live for, worship, 
So let's start here. Let's start here to make sure that you're all on board with me, okay? This series is not about I'm going to teach you what worship is and how to do it well. This series starts with you're amazing worshipers. You're amazing worshipers. Right now this morning, you are looking at something or somebody and going, you are amazing worshipers. Challenge it. You're either worshiping something that is going to distort your soul and your life. Or you're worshiping something that is the only object worthy your worship. Are we all on board? Okay. Are we all on board? So I don't have to go, you need to worship it. You are amazing worshipers. As a matter of fact, you came to church worshiping today. Did you know that? You came to church worshiping. We all go, I go to church to worship. No, no, no. You came this morning worshiping. It may not have been God. But you came worshiping. Um, can you set up the clip? Val is going to set up a clip. Worship is the activity of the human soul. I was at that concert, not in Boston, in Chicago. But what amazed me, 
It was one of the best worship events I'd ever been to. Bono didn't even have to say, raise your hand. He didn't have to say, everybody shout And I sat there as a pastor, a huge YouTube fan, looking around going, Worship is happening right now in stadiums, in malls, in homes. Worship. You can't help it. It's this thing in us that just cries out and says, I value that. I worth that. I am giving my life For that, I find meaning in that. You can't help it. I can't help it. It's inevitable. It's in all of us. And the issue is not, church family, the quality of our worship, but the object of our worship. The issue for you and me is not that the quality of our worship improve. It's that the object of our worship improve. And I'm telling you right now, what's at stake? What's at stake is our soul. Why does worship matter? Today's an introduction, so hopefully, Lord willing, I'm going to keep it short. That means it'll be like 50 minutes, okay? I'm just kidding. It really will be, because I told Carlton, I want us to begin to engage in true worship. And we'll get to that. Why is it important? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Give me the bottom line, Peter. I'll tell you why it matters. Then we'll talk about your worship. Number one, whatever you worship controls you. Whatever you worship controls you. Paul is writing about worship in Romans 1 when he says this. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful deeds of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served. There's a word, created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. The word worship Right there in Romans is a Greek word that literally means to prostrate yourself. To prostrate yourself. This is what he's talking about. When you prostrate yourself, you have made yourself completely vulnerable. When you prostrate yourself, you have made yourself completely vulnerable and dependent. What a powerful word picture. The Bible is saying that you and I all day every day about something or someone we're doing this to. We are making ourselves completely vulnerable and dependent on that as we prostrate ourselves. Oh, he worships the ground she walks on. Oh, she worships the ground he walks on. And we laugh and go, ha, ha, ha. You know what else I hear? Through email on coffee, I'll sit in front of somebody who had been in an abusive relationship for months, sometimes years. And I'll ask them, what, why did you stay in it so long? You know what they say to me? He meant what? Everything to me. And I knew it was crazy. But he meant, I also hear this. I didn't know if anybody else would love me like that. And then I hear sometimes this, I didn't know if I deserved that. Let me ask you something. Is that person free or is that person bound? You need to know something. There's no such thing here this morning as, I am independent. Nobody controls me. I am free. Please don't kid yourself. Every single one of us this morning is worshiping something and it utterly controls you. 
You can't help it. I can't help it. We are completely prostrating, depending on that thing. Because we found our value, our meaning, and our significance in it. Secondly, whatever you worship distorts your life. Apostle Paul again, Romans 1.22. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the image made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals. And what Paul was saying there is worshiping created things rather than the creator is not just wrong. It's foolish. What does foolish mean? It's impractical. It won't and can't stand up to reality. It doesn't and can't come through for you. If you're living for achievement, if you're living for achievement, I'm great. I got to get good grades. I got to have a career. I got to have a really good career. I got to be successful. If you live for that, you worth that, you value that. When you fail that God, you will hate yourself. If you live for romance and love, and you fail that God, eh, you will hate yourself. I live for my friends. What happens when your friends let you down? What happens when your friends betray you? I live for my parents. I live for my family. Your family is going to die. Your parents one day are going to lie dead in a casket. How is that God going to save? How is that created thing going to save you? Do you realize what you are doing? I'm not a worshiper. You have put your entire weight on that. You know, I really wish some of you guys had the perspective that I do, which is me as a pastor, every day, all day, I interact with folks for whom... Once they've put their entire weight on something and that thing crumbles and there's nothing to catch them. Third, whatever you worship, you become. Whatever you worship, you turn into. How does that work, Peter? Here's how it works. Whatever you worship, whatever you value most, watch, begins to consume you. True? Say yes. Whatever you worship, value most. Whatever, whatever gets you cranked up the most, it begins to consume you. Begins to consume your thinking, your time, your energy, your resources. It begins to consume you. And what consumes you begins to conform you. You begin to have your life bend and shape. You can't help it. It's in your mind, heart, thought, soul, all day, every day. You begin to conform. And once it conforms you, it determines the destiny of your life. It's what the psalmist actually just lays out. You become what you worship. Psalm 115.1. I wish we had more time to spend on this. We will in the upcoming weeks. Not to us. Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faith. I love that verse. Not to us, not to us, but to your name. Verse 2, why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Verse 4, but their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. Verse 5, they have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Verse 8, those who make them. Whatever you value most. As I was thinking about this, I'm like, this is such common sense. Is it not? You sit there going, 
Not very deep insight, Peter. The problem is not is it new information. The problem is we are in such deep denial about it that until somebody just kind of spells it out and like puts it in front of your face, you go, okay. What you value most consumes you. What you consume, your life begins to conform around it. What conforms your life determines destiny. That's why some of us will years from now wake up and go, how did I wind up doing this with these people right here? Say that again. Okay, Carlton, I will. I love it, by the way, when people say that. I do. Because I like repeating myself, in case you guys notice. That's why sermons last an hour. Like, if you stop repeating yourself, it'd be like half length. I know that already, okay? I know that. All right, so now we have a moment. I know that. <laughs> Some of you, you're there right now. You're sitting there going, how did I wind up doing this thing? With these people right here. Some of you will wake up in bed next to that person. You go, how did I become that woman, that man that would make these compromises and convictions? I'll tell you how. You worship. It consumed you. And it conformed you. And then it turned into destiny. How many of you guys know people who became so consumed with that thing, who consumed with something, just consumed with it, that it's like they became blind, deaf, mute. It's like that thing that they were consumed with became it. And when you looked at the collateral damage of marriage, relationships, husband, wife, children, their health, debt, you go, what happened? Anybody know anybody like that? Some... You know what I love? Luke chapter 10 is the story of the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man is never given a name. Do you know why? Because that's all he is. He is just a rich man. One day you're going to wake up and you're going to go, that's all I am. I'm a all I am is a mom. That's my identity. Money. I am the sum total. I am the sum total of the stock market. You're going to wake up one day and go, I'm success. Now, here's the beauty. You ready? That's where Sermon Series is going. So if what you consume, worship, consumes you, conforms you to We've been created by God and for God. Oh. So when your heart and your soul begins to worth God, and your heart and your soul begins to be consumed with God, the Holy Spirit begins to shape and conform your character. Your person, all that you are, into his likeness, into his image. Do you get that? Do you see why? We don't, I don't come up here and hammer away from some legalistic, read your Bible, pray, all those are incredibly important. But I begin with, what do you worth? What do you value? Because that will conform you into its image. And if fundamentally in your heart and your soul this morning, you can say honestly, Peter, I worth God. I value God. I am consumed with God. Your heart, your soul, your character, personality, all facets of you begin to resemble and look like Jesus. Worship. We become what we worship. 
And fourth, uh, before we even talk about true worship, whatever you worship is not defined by what we say, but is ultimately defined and exhibited in our lives by the way we live. Please don't tell me what you worship. Please don't tell me what you value. You spend two minutes with me and you will know, oh, so that's what he worships. Two minutes. Two minutes. Every single one of us, regardless of what our words say, every single one of us has a little trail. Every single one of us has a little trail that ultimately leads to the throne room. Every single one of us has a little breadcrumbs. And all you and I need to do is here's Sven. Here's Sven. He's got breadcrumbs. Okay, so I pick up his breadcrumbs. I follow his trail of time, effort, energy, money. All of you, all of me, living trails. And at the end of that trail, ultimately, is a throne. And who or whatever is sitting on that throne is the object of our worship. We go old school. I have tape and paper, okay? Some of you follow your trail. That's you right there. That's who's sitting on the throne. That's the object of your worship. I worship God. Maybe. But if I follow a trail, your time, your every energy, your resources consumes you. For some of us, uh, now of course this tape has to fail me now. So it's going to make me stand here and hold a stupid paper on it. Good Lord, I'm going to have to do that, okay. For some of us, <laughs> I do this. Can you all see back there, by the way, Eddie? Okay. For some of y'all, uh, it's this, it's, uh, it's romance. It's romance. What consumes your time, your energy, resources. For some of you, it's this. It's your physical beauty. Pastor Michael, thank you very much, sir. Some of you, it's this. That's what's sitting on the throne of your life and my life. For some of us, it's this. Parents and children. Again, again. You could say all you want. Say the right word. No, no, no. I follow the trail of your time, your energy, your resources. For some of us, yes, it's this. For some of us, it's actually this. You care more about the mission of God than you do about God. A lot of us, you know what's on the throne? You. You're on the throne. You. I will give me all my worship. I will give me all my... Really, that's the anthem of our lives. I sit on the throne of my life. Nobody tells me what to do. You know, if I think about independence, independence is my God. Yeah, it is. You. Sit on the throne. I, 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 I will. Uh, the object of your worship determines the destiny of your life. The object of. Why does worship matter? Every single one of us in this room, you're already worshiping something. You're already ascribing ultimate value to something. Your whole life right now is controlled 
and oriented towards something. By what you're saying, that matters to me. So. <laughs> this is important. True worship is not about, okay, well, somebody teach me how to worship. True worship is recognizing what it is that you right now ascribe ultimate worth to and reassigning that to the only object worthy of your worship. Can I say that again? True worship begins with you recognizing you're already worshiping. You're already saying about something full on. I am for it. I am living for it. My money, my time, my energy, that is what I live for. You're doing that already. I don't need to teach you. Carlton doesn't need you. Nobody needs to teach you that. Your heart, your soul, extrovert, introvert. It doesn't matter. You are saying about something. I am going after that. True worship begins with recognizing what that thing is and begin to reassign that thing to the only one that is worthy of your worship. Are you with me? That's the argument of Psalm 95. So here it is. We're going to unpack Psalm 95 next week more. Psalm 95, can you go back a little bit? True worship is, and we're going to begin to look at the definition, it's our whole life response to God. Say this with me. True worship is our whole life response to God. There's a little preposition in Psalm 95. There's two of them. That's really key. Look at that once more. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Say the next word with me. Ready? For. The Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. What is causing the singing? What is causing the joy? What is causing this explosion of, yes, you are. It's what? For he is our God. And then verse 4. Uh, in his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountains' peaks belong to him. Verse 5. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. And then verse 7. Here's that preposition again. Say it with me. Ready? For... He is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. What triggers this life-changing worship is what? It's God. It's his response to God. Let me unpack this real quick. There are many people in our culture today who are, who are in the spirit, who are on a spiritual search in the spiritual wasteland. And they're saying, I want some connection to God. I want some intimacy with God. And all of them are doing this. They're looking inward. They're looking inside. They're saying, I need God. I need some God. So they're looking inside. And what they're saying is, I'm going to find out who this God is. And who this God is, is who I imagine him to be. Who this God is, who I think I want him to be. Who this God is, what I design him to be. And their lives aren't being changed. Their lives aren't being transformed. And what the psalmist in Psalm 95 is saying, do you want an explosion of joy? A life-changing encounter with God? You don't look within. You look where? You look out. You look out. You look out at the objective truth of who God is. You look out and you look upward and you go, God, who are you? And it's a recognition. It's an acknowledgement. It's understanding. It's seeing who God is as he reveals himself to be that causes this explosion of joy. This explosion of joy and hope in the psalmist's life. You know what worship is? Worship is when you begin to see who God is and what he has done. And the truth of that catches fire in your soul. Can I say that again? True worship happens when you're just going along. And walking to church. 
And by the way, God has to initiate. God initiates. And the Holy Spirit comes. And all of a sudden, you've been singing these songs all your life. You've been singing them all your life. And all of a sudden, though, you see God. Holy cow. You see God for who he is and what he has done. And that objective truth catches fire. Fire in your soul and your heart. And you go, ah, and you give back to him what is worth his name. That is true worship. That is true. It is when the truth of who God is catches fire in your soul. And you go, I knew you were beautiful. But wow, are you beautiful. I knew you were wise, but man, are you wise. I knew you were powerful, but are you powerful? And that truth catches fire in your soul. And you go through song, through life, through praise, through my whole everything. I say you are the object that is worthy of my worship. And when that happens, your life will never be the same. And a beautiful thing, Psalm 95, the truth about God that the psalmist talks about, it's beautiful. Verses 3 to 5 are all about God as creator. In his hands are the depths of the earth. Mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it. His hands from the dry land. He's exalting in God being creator, Lord of all creation. But then in verse 6 he says what? Come let us bow down for he is what? He's our God. He's our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. The psalmist is saying, he's not just creator, this big, gigantic, spoke the word into being. He is our God. He's my God. He's not just big creator. He's redeemer. He's not just amazing, great God. He's tender too. He's my God. He is my God. (laughs) You should see Belinda's face. She's like, Belina, is this amazing? I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You don't have to say it is just because I'm asking you. Is this amazing? <laughs> you guys, you guys, do you know what would happen? Oh, CC, if this truth. God's greatness and his tenderness. <gasps> he's this great creator. He's my, he's my God. He spoke the word into being, but I am his little bitty sheep. If that truth became real, Carlton would come up here on Sunday morning and they'd be like, good morning. And you all be like, yes! <laughs> I'm slightly exaggerating. He wouldn't even have to go, hey, everybody, let's get up, blah, blah, blah. You know, he would just, they would just strum a chord, strum a chord, strum a chord, right? This is whatever this is. You would play a chord. (laughs) Strum a chord. Hey, you know, guitar, piano, whatever that sucker is. You guys, they would strum a chord. He would literally say, our God. And if that truth caught fire in your heart, nobody, ain't nobody would have to tell you, clap, sing, shout. <gasps> when the truth of him, you see what the psalmist is doing? He's not being moved by the music. And we have amazing music. Frankly, I think we become too dependent on the music to move us. That's why some of you go, you know, the music was kind of today. <laughs> First of all, our church's music is never like this. All right? <laughs> Ain't never like. 
What is the psalmist doing? He's not going to the temple going, where's that key? Where's that cord? Where's that voice? Where's that? They're literally going, and they're excellencies of God, the beauty of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God, the love. <gasps> Creator God, tender God, amazing God, my Father. And they're reflecting on that. As they do, the Holy Spirit takes that, and they see it. <gasps> they see it. <gasps> they see it. And they give back to God through their mind, through their emotion. We're going to talk about this next week. Through their will, through their entire lives. The worth, the value, the beauty that is to his name. And when that happens, truth on fire. Truth on fire. True worship. It's this best analogy that I've heard about this in worship. Imagine, imagine, you're a young lady who's just been inherited by your grandmother. All kinds of wonderful jewelry, wonderful jewelry. Some of it's antiques. And one day, you put on this necklace that your grandma gave you, you're walking around, and one of your friends who used to work for a high-end jeweler sees you with the necklace, and they go, <gasps> let me see that. And you're like, what, this thing? Grandma's. Come here. She looks at that. She's like, whoa. I think, I think. I, come with me. And you drive over to the place she works. And she pulls out the top guy at a jewel shop, whatever they're called. And the guy comes out. And the girl goes, take a look at this necklace. Take a look at this. And he sees the necklace. And his eyes get real big. And he goes, do you, do you know what this is? And you're all like, I don't know. What, what is it? My grandma's. I gave it. I'm just, this is from the f- fourth. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just gonna make something up. This is, this is, this is, this is from like the fourth century BC Ming Dynasty. It was owned by Princess Zhu She, and she like gave it to. You know, and she says, "Bottom line, bottom line." It's worth $5 million. I'll tell you exactly what will happen to this young lady who owns this necklace. She will go home, and before, she'll be like, what's the first thing that happens? Do you think she'll be moved emotionally? Heck yeah! Before it's just a necklace. Now she takes it off. She holds it. She's like, ah, nah, ah. You better believe she's moved emotionally. Not only she moved emotionally, she moved volitionally. What do I mean? Do you think her actions towards it will change? Oh, yes. Before, take it off, throw it. Now she knows exactly where it is at every time, all day in the house. I know exactly where I put that thing. Not only she moved emotionally, the truth has caught fire. Her behavior, her actions will change towards it. Not only that third, her entire perspective in life has changed. Why? Do you know what I can do with this? Do you know where I can go with this? Do you know what my life? Do you know why many of us sitting and going, I've been to church, going to church, believing in God, believing in Jesus. Do you know why our perspective and our worship is lame, apathetic, and dead? Because we see our creator God like that necklace. And the value of it has not caught fire in your soul. The value of it. This thing. The worth of it. This thing. The price, this thing, until you see that thing for what it is. And until the truth of that catches fire in your soul, who is God to you? Who is God to you? Do you know how you'll know you've worshipped? I'm almost done. You'll come into Sunday with anxiety and worry. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, this sermon was okay. He always preaches so long. 
the music, it was okay too. But man, I'll tell you what, people around me, they really, like, they act, they act like they believe that stuff. That's pretty cool. So you get a little pick-me-up. Like, oh, less worried for an hour and a half. But then you go home. And Monday hits, and you're all ridden with anxiety and guilt. Why? You haven't truly worshipped. You know what will happen if you truly worship? You'll sit here today, or stand, in a song, a word of prayer. And the truth of who God is, catch fire in your soul and you'll say ah i knew he was wise but he is wise i knew he was loving but he is loving towards me he's not just creator he's redeemer for crying out loud he controlled the universe and i am his itty little sheep and that truth catches fire and your heart, some of y'all are, you could be in a U2 and P- U2 concert, some of you, I'm going to go talk about it in a couple weeks. Other people are like, you're the kind of person, even if Jesus showed up right in front of your face, you'd be like, what's up? <laughs> That's you. That's okay. That's okay. That's you. That's you. You are dead, basically. No, I'm just kidding. You are, <laughs> you are non-emotional, non-emotive. I understand. I'm sorry, I apologize for that. Don't send me emails. Say, you offended me today. <laughs> whether, whether you're expressive or not, you'll be moved emotionally. Grace, you can come on up. Your, 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 your mo- emotions will be moved. You know what else? The truth of who God is, as you've seen it now, it will cause you to act differently. Please don't even think for a moment that what I'm going to talk about in the next few weeks is just here, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, here, hour and a half. This is not the essence. What this will do is will cause you and I to live differently Monday through Sunday. You see God, and the truth catches fire. This week was Valentine's. Do you remember the first time you told that person that you loved them? I do. The first time I said to my wife, I loved her. And she kind of knew that I was going to tell her. And she said, don't say it. <laughs> do you remember that, honey? She goes, Let me tell you where we're going and worship and praise and song in light of what worship is. It's one thing for me to love my wife. But my love for her is not completed until it's expressed. It's not just, oh, I love my wife. But when that love is expressed, it's articulated, it's said. There is not only an increase of enjoyment, but a completion of enjoyment. Here's C.S. Lewis. As always, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes enjoyment. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. No, the delight is incomplete till it's expressed. This is so even when our expressions are inadequate, as of course they usually are. It's one thing to feel in my heart, I love her, I love her, I love her. But when I say, I love you, It's one thing to say to God, God, you're worthy of my praise. And feel it in your heart. It's another thing for the worth of God that you feel, the value of God that you feel. And that thing has been stirring in your heart, stirring in your soul. You're the most beautiful, you're the most wonderful thing in my heart. And then when you open your mouth and you say to God, you are worthy of my praise. I don't see why the Bible is full of throughout the Psalms. Sing it. Sing it. Sing it. Say it. It's not because God doesn't know. God says, after you say it, wait till you experience that joy. Experience.
do you see my church family? Do you see my brothers and my sisters? Do you see why God says throughout scriptures and particularly the Psalms, sing aloud that our God is great. Shout aloud that our God is worthy. The question is not, Peter, I need to worship something. You are. The question is not, Peter, I'm not very good at this. Will you teach me? You're amazing at worship. The question is not, how do I sing better? The question is, what or who sits on the throne of your life? And what does it mean for you to say to your heavenly Father, you alone are worthy of my worship. What does it say? What does it look like for you? In this time of communion that we've done every month for as long as our church has been in existence, what does it look like for you, child of God, to say, I love you, Dad. I love you, Heavenly Father. I felt it. I know it. But I just want you and the whole world to know I love you. What is the object? Is it the one and only true God? So here's what I'm going to do before I break bread and lift up communion. I'm just going to simply lead you in this chorus. And here's what I want you to do, especially for those of you that have felt, oh, inhibited here because you feel like I can't really worship freely Peter because I feel like I'm going to be watched and judged don't you worry about anybody you're literally worshiping for the audience of one and his name is Jesus so as I sing this if it is the desire of your heart to say I want that I value that, worth that, worship that, stand, man, stand, 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 stretch out your hand again, be authentic and be genuine, but saying this is the expression of my heart, so here I am to worship, here I am to here I am to say that you're my, you're my, you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Sing that again, church. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say you're my God. You're all together lovely. All together worthy. All together
to worship. Here I am to bow. Here I am to say, say He is your my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. I pray right now, Father, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to see you for who you are. Open our eyes to see the truth, the truth, the truth about you. Set our hearts and our souls in passionate worship of your name.